Hi, everybody. Welcome to another PR Masters podcast where you get to hear the stories and wisdom of our industry's most successful leaders and legends. I'm Art Stevens, your host, and I am pleased to report that today's guest is number 76 in our four-year-long podcast series. And our guest today is Liz Kaplow. And Liz is founder and CEO of Kaplow Communications, and she is somebody I've known for a number of years and can attest to the quality and integrity and uh, reputation of her firm. Liz is a visionary entrepreneur. She's a trusted advisor to the C-suite, and she's a champion for communications practitioners across every industry. And as founder and CEO of Kaplow Communications, Liz reinvented the practice of PR with a focus on evocative storytelling when she opened her eponymous agency more than 30 years ago. And she continues to make a lasting mark on the industry by integrating emerging technologies into strategic communications practices while never losing the agency's sought-out high-touch approach. And under her leadership, she has elevated the reputations of beauty, lifestyle, and health and wellness brands, including Target, Blue Mercury, Fidelity Investments, Stanley, CVS, 23andMe, Microsoft, among many, many others. So it is with a great deal of pleasure that I welcome Liz Kaplow to our PR Master podcast series today. And Liz, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for that really wonderful introduction, Art. I appreciate it. Well, I'm so delighted to have you here. You have been one of the people that we've been uh, anxious to get on our PR Masters uh, podcast series because you merit it. Your reputation is uh, is just beyond anything that I know of from a lot of other people out there. So my first question to you, Liz, if we're ready to start our discussion yeah. today, is – and it, it's a typical first question that I ask our PR Masters because – the answers are very often surprising and sometimes unexpected. And that is, Liz, how did you get into public relations? Well, I really believe that I got into PR long before I even realized it. I, as a kid, I was just always so curious about people and everything around me. And also, I think everyone's best cheerleader. Um, and you know, as, as I got older and started really thinking about what a career could be, you know, I realized that what I loved the most was reading and writing and literature. So I, I actually was a liberal arts major at Vassar College, and I treasured that time. Not that it really related to anything having to do with, you know, PR at that time. I didn't even know what it was, but it really taught me, I think, to read critically um, you know, to have discussions and collaborate on ideas, to think forward, to connect dots, kind of all the things, you know, that ultimately I would end up doing. But then getting out of college and kind of looking for how that would relate to a next step, I fell upon a program um, that FIT was just starting, and that was in advertising communications. And my dad was, uh, he was a tech sale executive and he was involved with FIT. And I sort of saw the brochure at that time, you know, while I was talking to him, you know, on his desk at work. And he said, why don't you run over there and see if you can talk your way into getting in. It was, it was August and the program started in September. 
And I met a man named Arthur Winters, who is very well known, you know, as a kind of forward thinking marketing guy who was starting this program. And so, you know, your background's interesting. And so it was a program that was very focused on, you know, all of the sort of verticals within communications, but it was in the PR public relations class that a light bulb went off. And I just, you know, I thought, wow, there can be something that could kind of put it all together for me, that I would be able to use this curiosity and this interest and persuasive writing. And what I really mostly loved was the idea that it wasn't advertising that would be this kind of prescriptive top-down paid-for idea, but that I could work to create a third-party endorsement. And those third-party endorsers were journalists. And that kind of opened up a whole world of really what PR is and what the differentiator was, especially in those days. So what happened from there is that I ended up with an internship at Burson Marsteller. Um, that was just oh, was fantastic. That, was, that, was that like your very first job? It was an internship oh, right internship. following, uh-huh. um, you know, this course at FIT, this the graduate work at FIT. Um, and I landed there, and that was the practical side of this. I got in there, really started. It was within, you know, consumer products and beauty, and they gave me an opportunity to pretty much, they must have been understaffed or something, because I feel like I was doing everything, uh, which was very, which was really lucky as an internship. One of the things I recognized was that I really loved it, but that I wanted to go to a smaller agency to get my start. And that's what landed me at um, DeVries, um, where I worked with Madeline DeVries pretty much for my whole uh, agency life. And then ultimately, you started your own agency, which is now, you know, more than 30 years old. Yes. It's had a a, a long and successful run. And uh, obviously, you have done some very innovative things. What made you decide to start your own agency? How did that come about? Yeah. So, you know, that that was a little bit accidental. And basically, you know, as I said, I worked at the agency for a long, long time, really working my way up. Um, and then in the early 90s, I had two little kids. And uh-huh. that, without the technology that is accessible to all of us today, it was not easy to kind of maintain that agency work. And so I had the opportunity to start with one client. And um, this woman from Monet Jewelers at the time, you may remember, she came to me and she said, you know, would you do our communications, you know, and I said, okay. And it meant doing everything. I mean, it just meant saying yes to everything that she had me do. Some of it fell into the traditional things we think about at that time, like, you know, media relations and whatnot. But I was writing radio copy. I was starring as the voiceover in the radio. I was, you know, it kind of like those early days were very interesting because, It helped me really understand every job needed and really how to say yes um, and be curious and learn and and adapt. And that's really how it all started so many years ago. And then, you know, with really a lot of encouragement from the few mentors I had, because, again, at that time, there was really no one around me who 
you know, in my family or otherwise who was an entrepreneur. So, you know, it, it took a lot and it started out of wanting to very much have a 360 life and be able to control my own schedule and balance being a mom and working. You know, at the time, I guess I didn't realize that it would really grow up into something, you know, that's so important and, and so big. And that's actually what happened. Well, you know, that's that's what happens when you're good at what you do, Liz. <laughs> oh, thank you. And right back to you, too, because I know you, yeah. you are such a successful agency. And, um, you know, it comes out of passion. You know, I think when you love what you do and when you are that practitioner, you you really get in there and just doing great work yields great work. And that's how it all started. I think the shift to then training other people, empowering other people, turning into more the player coach is really what happened through the years. Uh, but at the beginning, it was really, you know, it was, it was me as chief bottle washer and everything else. But you had to learn a new skill, you know, obviously, as, as you began to uh, generate more new business and uh, also hire new employees. You had to not only be expert at public relations, which obviously you have been and always will be, but you had to be somewhat knowledgeable about how to run a business. How did that, uh, right. how did that change your life? It, you know, it was, um, it's very, very, it was a very, very important part of it. And I think, you know, what happens is you kind of, it was part learning on the job, learning from mentors, being able to really understand, you know, partnering with clients to help you grow, which I know all of us do, and that was a help to me really understanding their businesses and looking at different models and to really have it make the most sense. But there is a huge business component of it, and it, it had to work hand-in-hand hand yeah. as time went on. The other thing that happened with the agency is sort of part of this 360 life that I was trying to create was that my husband – Evan, who is a trained lawyer, began to help within, within areas that were very different from my areas, which is the client service, the, you know, the creative side, the, you know, working on the overall PR side to really get in there with his strengths which were sometimes a little unlikely. Like, he, he loves architecture and design. So he was really able to help us find um, our first space, you know, and really, you know, help design it as kind of a loft space in Midtown, which was so, you know, nobody was doing anything like that at the time. So it was like, okay, that's the strength of yours. Maybe that's not as kind of a typical CFO or COO, but he was really, really great with people. So he was helping to identify the right talent through the years and come in, helping with some of the financial side in terms of having, you know, that sort of through the lens of um, big picture sort of business and law and seeing that. So we created, in essence, a kind of very unique situation where it was very, very differentiated in terms of our skill set, but we were able to, um, you know, really make it work. And to this day, it works. I mean, you know, at the beginning in the early years, I didn't really talk so much about the fact that, you know, we were in it together and we have a husband and wife team because I think I felt maybe it wouldn't be taken as seriously or I wouldn't be perceived, you know, as much on the business side. What I realized is that 
People love it. I mean, our our team really responds, especially these days when culture is so important, to a family business, to an opportunity to spread gratitude and warmth and um, all of the things that are maybe were looked at before all of this as more mom and pop that now I think is our great asset. Well, you have a unique asset, and I wanted to ask you about that, you know. You know, there there are a number of very successful agencies that, you know, that are co-run by a husband and wife team, you know, uh, actually many more than our listeners might even think. But uh, yours is certainly one of the truly successful ones in, in terms of the Thank size you. agency that you've built, the uh, caliber of the clients you have, and the workload that is distributed, you know, uh, between you and uh, and Evan. Obviously, Evan didn't realize, you know, that when that when the two of you got married, that one day he'd be helping you run your business. So how has that affected your marriage? <laughs> oh, that's a, you know that's that's a good question. <laughs> I think um, look, I don't try to overanalyze things that are working, right? Um, it just works. It's worked from the beginning. We met when we were actually you know teenagers at summer camp. Believe it or not. Um, oh, we're wow. family people, you know, we're, we're really family people. We adore our kids. We, you know, have friendships since we're five years old. Um, we also honor the fact that we have built an agency with a team, separate and apart from the two of us, that, that are best in class. I mean, it's just as simple as that. We have a tremendous retention. Our president has been with us for many, many years and rose up through the ranks. So while, you know, when you look at the two of us sort of there, um, I, I don't want to in any way underestimate the power of the kind of unsung heroes who are out there on the front lines every day um, making it happen, and that management team and also the people who are behind them. Amen. Amen to that. And obviously uh, you are truly a, a case study of success in terms of uh, a husband and wife working together. You know, he doing his thing and you doing your thing. And obviously uh, the growth of your agency reflects how successful that has been. So kudos Thank to you. you. Kudos to you, Liz. So my Thank next you. question has to do with this. You were one of the early woman presidents of what became a yeah. fairly large agency. How did you manage to get to the top and what did, what did you have to go through to get there? Yeah, I mean, I've always had tremendous mentors um, and, you know, I count Madeline DeVries, I mentioned her before, and then, you know, a, a woman by the name of Carlotta Jacobson, who pretty much runs the beauty industry, Nancy Evans, the longtime, you know, sort of publisher who started iVillage. You know, there, there are so many um, that encouraged me along the way. And as far as how to get to the top, I, I mean, I think I said this before at the beginning, I think good work yields recognition and it yields more good work. And so I've always tried, whether I was very young starting out or all the way up through today, to, you know, kind of put my head down, if you will, and bring excellence to what I'm doing and then also be generous with others, with ideas, bring people with me along the way, um, you know, not necessarily make it about any one person, but I always try to be an ideas builder. And I think sort of that, that way has helped me kind of 
rise up and sustain the agency and and helps me be a better leader today, you know, in thinking about it that way. So you've done a lot of new business uh, presentations, as all agencies have, as I, as I used to have to do as well. Yep. Uh, sometimes you respond to RF, you know, RFPs, and sometimes you don't. But you get the call from a prospective new client, you know, that uh, you're one of three agencies that they're talking to. How do you position your agency as to distinguish it, you know, from other agencies? In other words, yep. what yes. what are the major selling points that you use? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know. You mentioned this in your intro, and I appreciated that. The, the idea of storytelling, which I know is used all across now as a way of talking about what we do you know, in PR generally, is something that the agency was founded on and that I try in talking about and differentiating at our agency to always start with. Because even in my early days as a practitioner, I looked at it this way. I mean, I remember, you know, the CEO of Coach, Lou Frankfurt, you know, coming in when, when, when we had Coach as a client and bringing in like a well-worn saddle with him because he wanted us to really understand the backstory behind Coach. And he said to the team who would be representing Coach, I want you to really understand the patina that our bags will have over time, just like this saddle, so that you are imbued with the story mm-hmm. of Coach, not just pushing our handbags, but that you really understand the story behind it. And that early idea is something that I brought to all of the work that that we did then and that we do today. So when I'm talking about new prospects for a new business, which I want them to understand that within the foundation of Kaplow's culture, we look at our job as telling their unique story in ways that will engage to their key stakeholders, their audience, the people they're trying to reach. And then I then I say, you know, somewhere in here, and I think this is an important point, that we're not the biggest. We actually never wanted to be the biggest, but we have always wanted to be best in class. I also say that we are independent, and I think that that's an important differentiator, and it's, it's, it's had a good effect. It continues to help us with retention, help us imbue longstanding relationships with our clients, And I think most importantly, it helps us be flexible and nimble in our thinking and in the way that we work because we're not beholden to anyone. So being independent, I think, is a very important part. I think on the the side of um, thinking about like the style of the agency, that high-touch approach that you mentioned is very, very important because I think in this high-speed world that we're all living in now where everything is going so quickly, it takes people to differentiate, to make key judgments, right? And to sort of give that high touch connection that is so important. Um, And then I would sort of land with the culture because culture is, has really redefined our agency over the last decade. And I think it's something that the clients appreciate and working with us as partners, the team certainly does. Um, and I want to spend just a minute telling you about the culture because I think it's very, very unique. So m- many years ago, I, our culture wasn't in the place that it needed to be. 
and that that happens, you know. And um, this is a, this is probably going over a decade ago. I was sort of perplexed by what to do. You know, you're sort of sitting there as the leader, knowing that it, things trickle down, knowing you know that it's not good, but you know you want to be able to retain people. You want to give them a vision. And I was standing under a tree, and the tree gave me like a really great sense of calm and thoughtfulness, sort of a feeling that I knew that if I could like somehow take that feeling and spread that to our culture, it would really be helpful. And what could I give people as a North Star to hold on to? So I define the culture of tree, and that is T-R-E-E, and that stands for trust, respect, energy, and enthusiasm. And that is the culture of Kaplow. And as a result, we've been able to have this retention that we're talking about through difficult, difficult times in the world between COVID and many other things. That was the key thing that kind of held us together. And it's part of recognition. It's a big part of the gratitude and that we share with each other. And I think maybe where this wasn't as important years ago in the early days, or it may have been looked upon as a sort of a fluffy or a less business-like way, it is absolutely critical to the way that, um, that we work and to our success, I believe. That's great. And speak, by the way, Liz, speaking of that tree, if one more thing had happened, the whole universe would have changed. And that is, if an apple had fallen from that tree, then you would have been the person to discover gravity and not, you know, Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah. Well, that would have been good. You never really know <laughs> the way it could have gone. Yeah. Well, well I that's what you it, did, I you, mean, it kind of felt like that discovery to me. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, like that's how big in, in our world really, really it was. I'm speaking well, that, by hyperbole, a, but you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah, and that leads to my next question because, you know, you obviously have really a record of a client uh, retention. Your clients stay with you for a long, long time. And and so what plan did you lay out to keep your clients far longer than the average agency? Yes. Um, I don't know that it was sort of a, um, a physical plan laid out. I think it's a way of thinking that guides us to this day, which really is about providing the best in client service. What does that mean? You know, that means partnership, understanding their business, being able to work with them, being able to consistently bring them new ideas, new insights that we see. Use data, but use data most importantly, to come up with insights that we can bring to their businesses. And I think that all of this, even when there are changes within the client world, the fact that we are able to be that consistent rock, that consistent sort of center of excellence within communications for them really, really has helped to build that sort of philosophy around how you keep clients for the long run. But you know you're you're uh, also a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, obviously, you and your, and your and Evan, your husband, you know, who run the agency. And my question has to do with you know lifestyle. How how have you been able to both provide quality work for your clients, manage a continually growing enterprise, and raise two daughters? Yeah, 
you know, Nate Whitman, you know, she was, uh, we worked with her for quite a, quite a bit of years. And, and one of the things she said to me once was, you know, you, you can have it all, just not all at the same time. Since then, I've heard women say that quite a bit. Um, and I think that is true. I think prioritizing, I think letting other people in and being able to not feel that you have to do every single thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when it came to the kids, I think Evan has been really an unbelievable 50-50 partner long before it was even in style. And, you know, that, that was a tremendous help. I think it was good for our kids, too, to see that. And I think, you know, being able to ask for help, being able to empower other people um, and ask for their accountability on that, but being able to do that is a very, very important, I think, key to all of this. Um, it, it really is not an easy thing to do. And it's very, very easy to get overwhelmed by thinking about all of these different roles to play. Um, I think one of the keys to this is being very present where you are. And I I know that wherever I am, when someone's talking with me, I, I try so hard to, you know, get rid of all of the technology, get rid of all of the things and really listen to them. And ask them questions and help them feel that I'm focused with them. And then, you know, try to do that for whoever else, you know, whether it's it's your kids, whether it's whomever else. And I think that gives people a feeling that, well, look, maybe we're not there like for hours on end. But that time spent on that was time really worthwhile. And so having that kind of attitude, I think, has helped me. Yeah. Liz, have you ever seen a survey of any sort? It just occurred to me uh, as to uh, in in the field of public relations and agencies in particular, what percentage of women who have given birth while working at a a public relations agency have returned to their work? Have you ever seen any study along those lines? You know what? There's been work done on this, and, you know, I'm very involved with New York Women in Communications, so, you know, there's there's been a lot of work done about some of the challenges that women have experienced, especially with, you know, sort of all of the issues around caregiving and how difficult that has been, especially in the last few years. I don't have a specific data point on on what you've asked, but I think that, you know, everything points to the fact that it that this is not an easy journey. And then especially within our industry, with this 24-7 news cycle, with all of the need to, um, you know, really be there, which is the priority for our clients, for the media, et cetera, you know, we have to really do our best to hone in on this. But it's important, right, because the audiences our clients are trying to reach are moms. The audiences our clients are trying to reach are single parents. The audiences where our clients are trying to reach are, are so diverse today that we have to pay attention to people's unique stories and, and what they're going through. Yeah. I suspect that it's, it's quite a vast majority. You yeah. Know, because I think once you're bitten by the PR bug, you're smitten, you know, and you love your work because that's, yeah. that's the kind of in, uh, industry we're in. Isn't that so? Yeah. And I will tell you, you know, our, our president has said to me, you know, that she she really feels she found a home, um, you know, 
with Caplo because it, it just is not an easy thing to navigate. So, you know, when our kids were really little, I think, I think these are, you know, these are challenging things for women. So, um, yeah. So let's just switch it to another subject. Uh, how has public relations changed since you got into it? And what do you, what do you envision to be its future? Yeah. I mean, so much of it has, changed and the foundation of it, you know, as I said before, I really believe it kind of has stayed the same, you know, spreading the word, understanding the differentiator that, um, that a brand has that story and spreading the word to connect to audiences. That is the same. Everything about the way in which we do that has changed. Right. So in, in the early days, you know, we in a way, our job was simpler because we worked with uh, more, you know, the traditional media. And we we looked at that third party endorsement and we got in there to, you know, do good old fashioned media relations to broadcast and, um, you know, newspapers, et cetera. Um, today, there's a huge opportunity. I mean, there are just so many. I look at it as an opportunity, and I pride myself in the way the agency has looked at what we call the new earned, meaning new ways that we can really help to tell these stories, whether it's through owned, whether it's through the, um, you know, the vast social media channels, whether it's through um, individual writers, um, whether it's through the big publishers. And there, you know, there, there's partnerships and there's integrations and all of this comes under the public relations umbrella. So while it has changed, um, I think staying on top of those changes and understanding strategically how they can best work for our clients is really the key, the key to this. What advice would you give to young people uh, who may be listening or not listening to our podcast today uh, who are thinking about a career in public relations? You know, what uh, vision would you like them to have about the, uh, the profession and what advice would you give them on how, you know, how best to succeed in public relations? Yes. Um, so, you know, when we have interns and then at the end of the summer I talk with them and I, I try to, you know, bring out that enthusiasm about public relations to get them excited and they, you know, I, I kind of tell them two things that I think are important. Number one, remember to really drill down on maybe some of the things that they would look at as old school, but that are so important, the foundation of good and persuasive writing the ability to speak and get your point across in a succinct manner, the idea of good old fashioned hard work, we roll up our sleeves and we show up and, you know, hard work and excellence, you know, really will get you the farthest with that. I think they also have an opportunity to do what they do best, which is to really understand the changes, the technology um, in the digital landscape so that they can bring those best practices, that they can 
activate on the way, for example, the Gen Z, those insights, the way that they can bring to the practice their experiences and their points of view, and not hesitate to speak up in a creative manner, to be able to say, well, you know, that's the audience you're trying to reach. This is what I've seen. This is what I've done. And I also tell them, and I think this is advice maybe they don't hear as often, get out into the world. You know, go to museums. Go look at fashion on the street. I mean, I pretty much started in fashion PR. And so my aesthetic today and the way that I look at the world comes in a lot through fashion and art and travel. And so I tell them to live life and, um, and make relationships. Again, a lot of what we do is we go back to the people who I started out with together so many years ago. And I tell them, start those relationships and keep them. And I think, you know, these are just important. Some of them are a little bit more, you know, for the foundation of what we learned. And then some of it is more thinking forward. But I think if they put some of these things together, um, they can, it's, a, it's a great industry to go into. Well, I concur there. <laughs> I love yeah. I love our our industry. Uh, so, given what you just described, what what do you consider your your personal style of management to be? So, I I believe that I went from kind of center stage. So, if you're thinking of the protagonist or the actor or whatnot, to more of the director. And that's the way I think of this now. So, you know, and that's not easy for a founder or yeah. someone who is a practitioner to do, but it's fun, and it, and it enables me to have what I consider to be more of a teaching role um, and a role where I can still get in there and work with clients and where I can help our people and talk with them through situations and solve problems, um, but, but don't necessarily have to be the one in that driver's seat. So as a leader, you know, it's really, how can I reach the largest number of people to share my experience, to guide in what I know? And honestly, sometimes they will know better. Sometimes they will have to say, you know, that I, I, let me let me sort of like mold that around, and then what do you think of this? And we do it together. Um, but I do think that that you know that has been a big shift for me. Not always easy, but one that is very very important to you know get people to feel not only empowered but accountable. And uh, it's a very very shift from founder, you know, to um, to that next stage of leadership. I wanted to go back to uh, the uh, topic of culture for a moment because, you know, it is something that's an everyday word for a lot of agencies these days. But, you know, uh, you started your agency, and I, I presume you really, obviously at that point, you didn't have much experience in running an agency. Uh, it evolved because, you know, of the great work that you personally were doing, and, and so more and more clients began to hire you, and you started hiring people. When did you realize that, that some sort of culture was needed in order to make the workday fun for your employees and, and also uh, productive uh, and that they were valued you know, as people yeah. as, well as, uh, as well as employees? How did that come about? What started you uh, in thinking about culture to begin with? And yeah. How did that all evolve? No, it's a good question because, you know, when I started out in the field, it was not a thing, you know. People weren't talking about culture, and and it was really just 
about the sort of work at hand. And so in starting the agency, I didn't go into this agency, honestly, even thinking about culture for many years. It, to answer your question, you know, I think I said this before when I was talking to you about that sort of model of trust, respect, energy, and enthusiasm. It was about, you know, 10 years ago, a little more, that there were some very difficult sort of times within the agency where I don't know that people really felt they had a North Star, that they really understood, you know, what, what that culture was. And in general, the industry started to recognize the importance of culture to growth and to success and to everything. So it started to become something that became an industry-wide value placed on culture, and it started to be something that I recognized at that point to be so important. Amen. Amen. And you've done a great job because your firm has a, a remarkable reputation in the industry, you know, for the culture that you have for your people and also, you know, for the work that you do. Oh, uh, thank you. Liz, I have just a couple more questions, okay? Yeah. Uh, and, and I thank you so much for your time today. And this has to do with you personally. How do you want to be remembered? You know, I, w I would like to be remembered as someone – you know, who brought out the best in people. Um, as someone who set examples and who opened the door um, for, you know, for women um, to live a 360-degree life. And I want to be remembered for someone who initiated a culture of trust, respect, energy, and enthusiasm within the agency and hopefully you know, that is an effect that has, you know, can be pulled through, um, you know, those others, you know, others within the PR industry. Okay. I like that. I also I like that really idea. want to be remembered yeah. as a great mom. Hmm. Uh, I think that's so important. <laughs> it is something that I've, that I've worked on, you know, for, for so long and feel great about. Well, that is true. You have a life outside of your agency as well. Yes. <laughs> we can never forget that from, you know, from anybody who works, obviously, in public relations agencies, that, that they're 24 hours in a day and you can't work all 24. <laughs> exactly. And my final question to you, uh, Liz Kaplow, is where do you see Liz Kaplow in the years ahead? You know, I, I love this idea of teaching. I feel like I am teaching every day. Um, and, you know, I love books. I, I really, maybe there's a book somewhere in the future. I keep talking about it for me. And um, I just love PR. So if everyone will have me, you'll probably see me doing this like well into my 90s um, in the Wonderful. years ahead in some way or form art. That's wonderful. Well, Liz Kaplow, on behalf of the PR Masters podcast listeners, I really thank you for joining us today. You've given us a great deal to think about. You've given a great deal to the public relations industry, and I have always been one of your biggest fans. So thank you for joining PR Masters, and you truly deserve to be in that category. I really appreciate that, Art. It was a great conversation, and thank you. And that's it for today, folks. Thank you for joining us, and thank you, Faye Shapiro, 
publisher and editor-in-chief of Compro, for your support and sponsorship of these podcasts, which are now in their fourth year. This is Art Stevens, your host, and I am managing partner of the Stevens Group. We're going to sign off now. Until next time, everybody, be well.